where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. So I've known today's guest since the 2004 boiler room days at Market Tools. So if you were in or around or had any contact with Market Tools back then, you know, it was a pretty crazy time. So she had a lot of success at Market Tools, uh, but has done even cooler stuff since then. Uh, she founded and sold two companies, uh, and she's held executive positions at really cool companies like Upwave, uh, where we were reunited, and it feels so good. <laughs> the band back together. <laughs> we got the band back together, exactly. Uh, and now the outstanding and ever-expanding human behavior and analytics advisory firm called Escalant, where she is managing director of the tech and consumer retail vertical, and co-chair of the DE&I Council. But somehow Dinah, uh, of course she's a dynamo. I mean, if you know Dinah, I mean, your name's perfect, right? Um, <laughs> she somehow found time to be really involved in things and start things all the time. Uh, so she's been heavily involved in the Insights Association. But uh, what I wanna talk about today a bit is her involvement in WIRE, where she founded the WIRE Exec Leadership Forum. She's here to tell us all about that today. So welcome to the podcast, Donna. Well, thank you, Matt. It's so good to see you and um, kind of celebrate the fact that we've worked together for years in different <laughs> aspects of our careers. And um, I feel like being on your podcast, I should have a lighter or something like <laughs> we're at a concert. Um, I'd probably set off the fire alarm in my house though. So <laughs> yeah, don't now I'm with you with the lighter. Um, yeah, I mean, our, our kids, I mean, we were both expecting our first children when we, we first met. So super cool. It's always great to, to reconnect. So, uh, but I know you were doing uh, some stuff. You were at Market Tools uh, before I was. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into the crazy world of research and insights in the first place? Yeah, it's been a journey. Uh, I was reflecting on this as we were talking and thinking about it's been 20 years now. And um, I'd like to think I'm not that old, but, <laughs> but the reality is I am. Um, and you know, as I think back to my market research career, I really came in through the technology side of things. Um, I, I guess we're, you know, those of us that were at Market Tools were um, market research survey platform, kind of internet company pioneers. Right. And being in the Bay Area, you know, I, I found my way to market research through technology. I was a technology consultant. Um, I like to say I was uh, a woman in technology before that was a thing. Yeah. All I knew is that I um, was graduated from business school, from the business program at Oregon State, and we were sponsored by Hewlett Packard. And they, they uh, pumped a bunch of technology as sponsors into that um, business program. And that is where I started my love of technology. And so came out of school, became a certified network administrator, um, was at a technology um, consulting firm that, that IPO'd in 1999. <laughs> so in the first dot-com boom and and, um, you know, I think folks that know me um, know that I've had a lifelong addiction to, to startup companies. Um, 
And so um, went from that startup into a startup called Market Tools, which is of course where you and I met. And I was thinking back to my first couple weeks at Market Tools. I, I applied on monster.com. I don't know if they're still around. I don't know if indeed.com owns them now because they seem to own you know, the space, um, but applied, went in for an interview. Uh, Market Tools was written on the door in pencil. You know, I had this wow. thought of like, is this legit? You know, it was, um, got the job and second week on the job, you know, we had new technologies intelligence and I was suddenly, you know, I was the implementation manager, but the training manager who started maybe two weeks before me or something went on a few weeks before me, a few months, she went on vacation and suddenly I was in charge like week three of that job of training market research clients on this new technology called Z Intelligence, which was an enterprise survey platform. Right. And this is, you know, four years before SurveyMonkey was around, several years before Qualtrics, so it was early days. So um, I spent the weekend in my apartment in San Francisco on a dial-up modem, <laughs> teaching myself this software so that I could be prepared for this presentation with this client the following week and um, came out of that, I think, knowing more about how that platform worked than most, most folks in our company. And that then kind of launched me into, into my market research career that went on to you know, be client services and, and sales and several other roles. So I feel like I've done everything in market research except for maybe HR and finance, so. Yeah, yeah. And you've been a good journey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned, um, uh, some of the, can you talk a little bit about some of the companies that, uh, that you started? Um, one of which I think was an outgrowth of market. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, at market. So, um, the market tools journey was about 12 years. So it was a 12 year build. It went from a very early stage startup that, um, through lots of work from the team that was there at the time survived the, the first dot-com crash. Um, rebuilt and then really hit the next wave of internet technology that was rapidly approaching the market research industry. Mm -hmm. And so um, we, we first had the survey platform. We then together with clients at General Mills built the Zoom panel. So we had technology. We then built access to audiences, which went hand in hand at that time. Right. And then we also expanded into um, full service research. So we had sort of all the key components, the analytics, the technology and the audience. And then, um, you know, as we got 12 years into it, we started to see data quality issues. Mm -hmm. And so within market tools, we started a company called True Sample. And we uh, went out to brands that were really concerned about how their data quality was impacting their results, which was, um, having kind of far-reaching issues for market research and trust in the market research function within these big brands, as well as just as an industry. Because if you can't trust the data, you know, what's, what's the point? And so um, there became this huge industry movement around data quality and True Sample was really at the center of that. And that um, business was sort of a group of people at Market Tools that came together to work on this, uh, it was an entrepreneurship 
And we worked on this business together. And some of the folks, you know, like, like Mark Menig was on that team, who's gone on to, to other things as well in our space. Um, but that business was all about making sure that panel companies and sample had real unique and engaged respondents. And the technology, um, you know, managed really those key three, th those two, th those three key things, and um, helped us to really get into panels and dedupe them and uh, remove, you know, respondents that had multiple accounts and right. prevent them from taking surveys multiple times. And of course, you know, incentive fraud was was becoming a thing. So um, that when so we moved in 2012, we sold, you know, market tools sold to SurveyMonkey. Mm -hmm. The majority, well, part of the assets. And one of them was TrueSample. And then TrueSample um, was then spun off. And so um, worked on the company at that time with Mark Menig and um, was able to have an experience of, okay, went from a early stage startup that became a mature company to then experiencing a, a spin-off company um, and then also started my own mobile company from there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. cool. Excellent. Um, so along the way, as I mentioned, uh, you've done lots of good things in the industry. Uh, one of which is, is the Wire Exec uh, Leadership Summit. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and what it's, what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, that, that came about on a on a sunny sunny Saturday afternoon um, <laughs> in a car ride with with my friend Heidi Dicker. Uh, we were driving from San Francisco up to Napa to go to a winery for wine tasting, as you do in the Bay Area. <laughs> and um, we were talking, and I thought um, we we had both gone to this this summit that was an intentions event. And this intentions event um, was very much around not setting New Year's resolutions, but really setting themes and intentions to build off of in, in your life from, from one year to the next. And so her and I were talking about this experience saying, wouldn't it be great to do this with our market research colleagues, with other women in the market research space? Yeah. And so, you know, we were creating our short list of, of people that we would want to come to this event. And you know, Renee Smith, we were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if Renee came out and did this event with us and various different people that we were mentioning. Um, so, and then fast forward a year, I, I was starting UB Mobile. I, I was busy with lots of things, um, but we said, you know what, now's the time we should really commit to this. So I, um, there was a wire event happening in the South Bay. I think it was at, it was either at Facebook or Netflix. I've been to both for wire events. So it was one of those, I think maybe Facebook. Um, prior to the event, which Bryn Moore um, is the city leader for wire in San Francisco. She, she was there to host the event. Kristen Luck was in town for the event who is, is of course the founder of wire. Right. And um, I met with them at the Rosewood, which is, which is so uh, kind of startup-y Bay Area, right? So it's like yeah. everything happens at the Rosewood. It's like where all the venture capitals meet startups. Um, so we went there and sat down and I think had a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And I said, hey, I really want to do this. And, you know, I'd love to do it with Wire through Wire so that we can do it with the Wire brand. And we started talking about what it, what it might look like. And we then said, let's do it. So really um, between Heidi and I and, and Bryn and Kristen, we committed to 
four o'clock on Friday afternoon for several weeks <laughs> and months to really get organized and get a plan. And it's just like anything, like you have a vision, you have an idea, the timing has to be right for you and for the idea. And also you just need to commit, you have to execute, right? Yeah. And so we, we committed and we put our first summit together. It was in Sausalito, which um, Sausalito is a town that I love. It's, it's about 10 or 15 minutes south of where I live, but it's special because Market Tools started in Sausalito. Right. Um, UB Mo Mobile's first angel investment happened in Sausalito. And so of course, the wire exec summit needed to happen in Sausalito. Yeah. I just feel like it's a, there's something magical about it. It's been a good luck place for me for business, strangely, because it's sort of a tourist town. Um, so we kicked it off there with about eight people and Seema Vasa was there, who's been a good friend and we've supported each other in our careers for years. And Christy Zolke was there. So you can see, you know, Seema's gone on to be an investment banker in the space and do M&A kind of deals. And Christy, of course, has gone on. She, I was starting UB Mobile at that time. She was um, starting Knowledge Hound at that time and has gone on to have success there. Um, Bailey Buchanan um, came into WireExec in a future year, but she's, of course, a founder of um, Research for Good. And then also, I'm trying to think, um, Lisa Wilding Brown joined WireExec maybe the second or third year. And she, of course, has just been named the CEO of Innovate. Right. So um, we came together to support each other's careers. And the original eight of us, that was seven years ago. So WireExec is happening next week in Napa, uh, in Sonoma County. So, um, so you know, in the wine country, which is kind of ironic because that's where the idea first came to bear. We've had um, the event in Marin and Sausalito, but we've grew out of our space. So we've decided to move it a little bit north. And um, it's, so it's been seven years and it's happening next week. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm so thrilled and um, excited for all that has come to be from what was this small idea that was originally one day that grew into two days, which is now three days. But more than the event itself, the leadership and the, the support um, and the women who have lifted each other up, which is what it was really about. Um, so I couldn't be more proud of all of my colleagues that have gone on to be so successful um, on their in their own right, but part of this 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 wire exec group and and I hope that many more female leaders for our space come out of some of the work that we're doing there. Uh, that's really great. That's really great. Um, first of all, I want to say hi to Heidi, Bryn, and Kristen, whom you mentioned. I'm actually talking to Kristen next week. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really a cool thing. Um, and so I'm kind of curious. So it's been seven years now, um, and you've been able to help each other. Uh, and that's long enough to sort of learn from the experience. Um, what have you learned from the wire exec experience that you now apply to your day-to-day -day job at Esquilant? Oh gosh, well, um, I am very much on a continuous learning journey. <laughs> so I am always learning and there are, our world is changing rapidly. And so I feel like I've, I've learned so much 
even this year that kind of overlaps with WireXec. But when I first came into Wire, and Kristen had asked me prior to the WireXec Summit to co-chair um, a tech conference with her, a tech research conference. Uh, I want to say it was through Casro, when Casro still existed. Um, and we, so I agreed because I, I like, can't say no to Kristen. I think a lot of us in the industry have a hard time saying no to Kristen. Fuck, yeah. right? So, of course, I said yes. This will be fun, and we were the first two females to to co-chair this this tech conference. Um, so I said to Kristen. Kristen said, "You really need to get involved with Wire," and I was like, I, "Is there really an issue with women getting promoted?" And because I. I have been extremely fortunate to, um, I've just never felt that, that I haven't had the same opportunities as my men colleagues. And um, I realize now looking back that that, that isn't the case for everybody. Um, I was lucky to have great mentors, um, men and women that supported me in my career and had a number of promotions and um, had men and women working for me, but I never felt like I wasn't paid fairly or that I didn't have the same opportunities. Um, it was sort of my worldview. Um, but Kristen was like, you have been lucky and you're you're in a bubble and that's not how it is everywhere. And I took a look around because I was so kind of focused on the companies I was at that I wasn't as focused on what was going on across the industry. And um, and said, yes, absolutely, I'll get involved. Let's let's try to make a difference here. And so um, so from that point on, you know, I was able to make, kind of learn from those things in terms of more broadly at other companies and what other people are experiencing and, um, became a mentor at Wire. I'm a mentor with Wire. I'm a mentor outside of Wire. I'm a mentor inside of Esquint, um, to my team, but other teams. Um, and so I've learned a lot about women and women needing support in executive careers and, and sometimes it's a cheerleader and sometimes it's a coach, right? Mm-hmm. So depending on kind of what the situation is to help people through, how do they get to that next step? Um, WIRE is all about helping women in research get to the C-suite. And um, the thing that I wanna recognize and the thing that I'm learning a lot more about now is just more broadly beyond just women um, people of color, people of disabilities, um, diversity and inclusion in a much broader spectrum. Again, in some ways, I didn't see it was a problem because my teams at Market Tools were extremely diverse. Um, in Minneapolis, in the Midwest, I had an extremely diverse team. Um, right. Women, men, people of color, people from other countries, um, you will remember our Servada team looked like the United Nations because you know recruiting in the Bay Area, there's just you're starting from actually a very diverse pool. Um, so you know I've had experiences in coming to realize now that that's not everyone's experience and that's not um, maybe consistent in all parts of the country. Um, and so I'm on this learning journey now to understand that and really working um, you know with the Insights Association and Escalant so that we can really think about how do we bring more diversity into our industry. It's, it's, um, it's something we see in pockets that are different companies and organizations, but it's not 
uh, individual company thing as much as it's a broader kind of attracting diverse talent to our industry. So um, I would say that in some ways, um, my own experiences were the stepping stone of my interest to get involved with WIRE. And WIRE has been my stepping stone of interest to kind of start to think more broadly about diversity and inclusion beyond just women. Sure, sure. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Um, so Escalon has, has become a pretty interesting company. It's grown uh, quite a bit and has deep expertise in a number of verticals. Uh, and I think a lot of people are really noticing um, a lot of the innovation that's, that's coming out of, of Escalon. So kind of curious, you know, working for that company in that environment. Um, is there anything you can tell us about what you think about the future of research, you know, what's going to be important. Yeah, I, you know, if we kind of dial it back to when we started at, at, at Market Tools, we, we got involved in an industry, we gave it a try because maybe tech attracted me into it, and then you, you sort of fall in love with it. But never could I have imagined just how exciting the space would become from um, an M&A standpoint, right? Yeah. Just, it continues. I mean, from from my own experiences with Market Tools and and TrueSample and UB Mobile to, uh, you know, let's think about just this last week the the Sint uh, acquisition of Lucid and the Zendesk acquisition of Momentum. Right. Right. It's just um, it's a very exciting space to be in, but I really see it as three different areas and it, it comes full circle to, everything kind of comes full circle to our market tools experience. It's our, it's our being in the trenches, being research and um, technology pioneers. Um, but market tools, we had three things. We had our technology, we were sort of an, the original res tech company. We had our Zoom panel, which was our access to audiences. And we had our full service research. The challenge was that we had three business models in one. Exactly. <laughs> they were at odds with each other yep. because they all had different margins and we were a venture backed company and we certainly had pressures to drive profitability and margin. And um, and, and that's completely true across the tech industry, right? You, you, buy, you create software, you create it once, you sell it multiple times and it's high margin and um, and so I, I, what I've seen actually is we have those three things at Market Tools, but there's been much more specialization in each of those things. Yeah. Specialization in ResTech to have that business model that's more maybe venture backed. Um, you've had the specialization in audiences because of data quality, because of needing to have global audiences. And right. um, I think some people in the industry will say, well, running a panel is easy it's very hard. You have to be good at it and you have to know what you're doing. And yes, so I have a lot of respect for the sample and panel part of our industry. Um, and then you have the research services mm -hmm. and analytics is absolutely exploding because there's more data on the planet than there has ever been in the history of the world. Right. And somebody's got to make sense of it all. Mm -hmm. And so I see this specialization and um, maybe how I'm how that manifests from my vantage point in the world for Escalant, we certainly specialize in the analytics. I've never in my career been surrounded by more amazing, talented, highly educated researchers. Right. Um, so that's what what we're really good at. 
But um, because of that, you know, you've got all these tech companies that are selling the technology, but someone's got to make sense of the data. And right. so I see a lot of partnerships that way. And, and um, I look at the world always through a lens of win-win. And even in, um, I, I did, uh, I was the instructor for a wire accelerate class on negotiation and my approach to it, whether it's for your job or with another company or what have you is what's the win-win, how does everybody win and do well? And, um, and so I see these partnership opportunities for that reason, because let tech do what they're good at and have the business model that they're trying to drive and let research services do what they're good at and have the business model that they're trying to drive. And so because of that, there's these complementary opportunities that mm -hmm. I'm seeing all over the place, which creates these win-win partnerships in our industry. And um, I think that's only going to increase because in our world, the, you know, the, who owns the data? Everyone's trying to own the data, right? And the person that owns the data owns the knowledge base and, and the information. And so I see that specialization, but I also see that opportunity for partnership in there. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time to be in this space for sure. And it's very exciting. You mentioned the MA, it's very exciting to see so much activity. Um, and, uh, you know, it feels, it feels alive. The industry feels alive. So it's really cool. It does so, feel alive. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. Um, all right. So this is, uh, this is a podcast, as you know. Uh, I'm interested to know. Uh, what other podcasts or other media uh, that you turn to for either inspiration or knowledge or enjoyment? What's on that list? So um, in some ways, I think I, I, I'm a history buff. I, maybe that's why I like market research because it's kind of forensics to some extent, kind of figuring <laughs> out what's going on. So because I love history and I love data, I really love Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History podcast. Right. Um, and it really, it's, it's amazing because what they essentially do is go back at different points in history and revisit all the data. And what they'll do is talk about certain points in time. So for example, a point in time where RNA was discovered and how that drove cures for AIDS. And that came out of all of the funding that went into AIDS in the, in the 80s and 90s. But that technology helped today with determining how the coronavirus works and determining how to then, the, the technology of that, right? And how to then fight viruses like that, that are RNA type um, viruses. And then ultimately help drive, you know, ways to think about vaccines. So, you know, these are things that happened, you know, 40 years ago <laughs> that are impacting our world today. And if those things hadn't happened then, we wouldn't have had the technology we need, needed for where we are right now in the world. So I totally, like, I've, I've always loved Mal Malcolm Gladwell's books, but um I just, I, the podcast is amazing. And if you get a chance to, they're all different episodes. Um, so if you get a chance to hear one, I, I think specifically for market researchers, I think you'll love it. Cool. Cool. Uh, I, I actually haven't listened to it. So that's, oh yeah. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Pushkin Enterprises, I think, which is Pushkin's his cat, which so <laughs> kind of fun fact. Um, so that's one. Um, so another one, so Netflix, 
um, right? We're all like addicted to Netflix. And, um, but I just started watching Squid Games. Um, uh, and it's right. <laughs> super interesting. Have you seen it? Uh, I, I haven't. I know it's going to be like a total, total binge once I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm just into the um, fourth episode, and um, but it's it's Korean, so it's it's kind of got a different um, cultural flair to it, but it's very much human behavior. So from a human behavior, kind of modern, modernistic, um, kind of a little bit of Hunger Games ish kind of thing. So yeah. um, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it's like my so, current thing that I'm watching and thinking about and thinking about human behavior and how how people are all the same around the world, but then how it's a little bit different from this sort of the Korean cultural spin to it and things. So, um, and then the next thing that I, they, that I want to read is a book called Sapiens. Have you heard of it? Yes, I have. I have. So it was re recommended to me last week um, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's about history. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was re recommended to me from a friend in the research industry um, and the, then just ironically, I happened to be watching 60 Minutes on Sunday night, which was what I was doing on Halloween. So don't judge me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> everyone's judging was, me right I now. I was with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so mine are older, so that's a whole nother story. But, um, but so I was watching it and they were talking about Sapiens and, um, and they were interviewing the, the author um, who's a, who's an Israeli guy. And, um, but what is, what was interesting about it is it ties into, um, history and different points in history where, um, humans have, have jumped kind of to the next level of our evolution. And it talks about AI and how AI is going to be the next big leap for humans and how we integrate with AI. And it comes back to who owns the data and, and what can you do with it? And, um, you know, lots of good, lots of good as we think about it in the context of what I was saying with um, Malcolm Gladwell and using data to, to solve things for humankind. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. So I'm, I, I haven't read it, but I'm excited to read it. And um, I'll definitely circle back with you offline once I do and give you the right. download. Yeah. Okay, super cool. All right, well, this is all well and good, Dinos. It's been a great chat, lots of interesting things, but there's one thing that I really want to know, right? That I really want to know, and we've never really even talked music. I mean, we spent so much time together, but we've never talked music, and so now we've got to do this. I've got no idea what your answers are going to be, but you're, you're stranded on a desert island, Dino. You've got three records at your disposal to keep you company for the rest of your days of your choosing. What are those records? And I, I'm assuming I've got Wi-Fi on this desert island and power yeah. to continuously listen to my, of course, of course. my playlist. You'll okay. have a record. You'll have a record player. Um. Oh, a record player. Okay. <laughs> well, so uh, that well, record players are very cool right now. So absolutely, absolutely. Um. I think I think there's three. So again, it's like I love music. Mostly, I listen to music when I'm working out or I'm running, and I've you know. Um, listening to some kind of a, a playlist and um, but I'm a little embarrassed to admit this but I love the Red Album by Taylor Swift and I think I've literally listened to it every day for a year driving to work um, in, in my car and so um, I'm definitely like 
a pop music fan. I like happy pop music that like, you know, gets me positive and excited for my day. So if you see me at the gym in the morning at a conference, I'm probably binging on some pop music. Um, <laughs> but I also like rap music. Um, you know, I listen to my share of Eminem, but my third, um, my third would be Nellyville because it's just fantastic. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I love the whole original Nellyville. Um, it was, I guess, a CD at that time. I'm like, oh, what kind of medium were we even on? This was like even before playlists and Spotify existed. But um, so I'd for sure like balance my Taylor Swift with my Nellyville. And then um, lastly, so this is a fun one. Don't knock it till you try it. We do power hour for our sales team every Tuesday morning. And my team picks a playlist and sometimes it's 90s grunge and sometimes it's like the Beatles. But the favorite one that we have done so far is the Disney best of Disney movie playlist songs. And, okay. and when you've got um, like grown up singing um, songs from from Disney shows as you're like doing power hour together on video it's a lot of fun so I think I could probably sing Disney songs to myself on the desert island for the rest of my life <laughs> very nice well uh just just knowing you as I do Dinah um I'm I'm not surprised by your voices <laughs> um it seems to all fit like you said like super positive always positive so uh so it Definitely is on brand for you. So that works. <laughs> All right. uh, yeah, I, I can do a little like dark, dark grunge sometimes, but mainly I keep it, keep it upbeat. All right, cool. Well, this has been super fun. It's always, uh, it's always great to catch up. So any excuse. So, uh, hey, hey we got to do the Gene Simmons. Oh yeah, we, we will. We will. So, okay. Thanks so much, Dinah. Uh, we'll talk soon. I'm sure. And rock and roll. Rock and roll. We'll be